So, my name's Aaron, I'm the lead pastor here, and you'll excuse me, I have never been in the band before, so today was my first time doing that, so transitioning to being right here with you, give me a second, and I'm here, I'm here. Uh, So, we are in a series, this is just a two-week fun series for us, this is uh, called Breaking Bad. Last week, we we visited a little bit uh, on Breaking Bad Thinking, and so our series and what we're talking about is not really necessarily the TV show, although last week we did pull a little bit of a lesson from the actual TV show of Breaking Bad, but... Uh, mainly we are looking at breaking bad, insert something here. And so last week it was breaking bad thinking, and we talked about the power of a thought, a thought that that remains unchallenged and how it can damage your life and kind of send you into a place that you don't want to be, right? And so we had a little fun getting there. There's even a couple people here that may or may not have been sick as a result of our little journey. If you were here last week, uh, you're welcome, and if you weren't, you got to be here every week. That's all I'm going to say. Ask somebody about it, and, uh, and they'll tell you a little bit about it. So, uh, so this week, we are going to cover fear, so breaking bad fear, right? And, uh, and we're breaking that power of fear in our lives, and there are some really interesting phobias out there. Does anybody here have any phobia? Anybody have a phobia? Like, you don't have to tell me what it is, but you have a phobia. You have a genuine fear. Like, a phobia is... You can put your hands down. Thanks. A phobia is actually, like, this intense fear. It's like, okay, I'm afraid of something, and you can have a legit fear of something, but a phobia is that fear, like, amplified, right? Like, we're talking screaming like a little girl running kind of thing. You know what I mean? That's a phobia. And, uh, and so, there's some interesting phobias out there. And uh, I used to have one. I used to, I used to be afraid of spiders really bad, something fierce. And uh, you can ask my wife or insects, and really in general, I would scream and I would run. There would be no dealing with that insect. It just wasn't me. I understand I'm a big dude, and you feel like, Aaron, come on, it's a little spider. You can handle that thing. But I don't know what it was. So anyway, I dealt with that. I'm over that. Now spiders, I still don't like them, but I don't have a phobia anymore. There's a difference, right? There's a healthy respect for a spider. And then there's the fear of, ah! Like, you know, there's that. So... Anyway, so there's some interesting phobias out there. These are real phobias I'm going to read to you, okay? Uh, There is the fear of dust. Let me tell you, you you have it extremely rough if you are afraid of dust, okay? So there's the fear of dust. There's the fear of flutes. Fear of flutes. Now, I have surgically removed the actual names of these phobias from my notes here so that I don't look like a fool trying to pronounce them. So I'm just going to tell you what the fears are. I'm not going to tell you what that, you know, like arachnophobia. I can say that one. That's the spider thing. But these actually have a name. I'm not going to read them. Uh, There is fear of beautiful women. So if you look to your right and you look to your left right now and there's a beautiful girl nearby you, you are shaking in your boots and you are afraid. And you are, (laughs) So don't look around. Fear of bad breath. This is a legit fear of bad breath, right? And you all know, like, listen, nobody really likes bad breath, right? And you know that that person with bad breath, when you find somebody that has breath, bad breath, they're the, always the ones that have the longest stories to tell. They're always the ones who want to get into and break that barrier of personal space, right? They're always the ones that want to pray for you really close. Let me pray for you, brother. And, uh, and so the, I understand that fear. I don't know about For those of you listening at home, I nearly tripped. There we go. Because we have a podcast, by the way. You should listen to our podcast. Tell your friends about it. It's on iTunes. There you go. Plug. All right. (laughs) Then there is the fear. (laughs) There is the fear of bathing. 
and the fear of men. Put them together and you've got the fear of bathing men. I understand that one. There is the fear of floating objects. I actually know people and have people in my life that are afraid of inflatables and floating objects. Now, I don't know how you are afraid of something like that, and I don't know how that happens, but it does happen. I know this is legit. Some of you are like, yeah, right, this doesn't happen, but I do. I know people that are afraid of this kind of thing or they have that phobia. Then there's the fear of being scared. I know this one personally and not, not necessarily me of being scared. So you're born with two fears, right? The fears that you are born with, everybody is born with these two fears of falling and loud noises. We have those natural built-in fears. Every other fear is learned, okay? You understand that? Every other fear is learned. Something hot, you don't want to touch it, that's hot. That's a good fear, but it's learned. You touch it and that, that doesn't feel good. My kids are afraid of being scared or being, being afraid, right? That's, that's a legitimate fear. I have one, one of my sons who's, who's not in this room, so I'm not embarrassing him. That's good. His name's Tyler. He will not go upstairs by himself in our house. And uh, I'm like, dude, what are you afraid of? There's no boogeyman. There's nothing that's going to jump out and get you. You're not, what is the problem? What are you afraid of up there? He's like, I'm not afraid of the boogeyman or anything. Dad, I'm afraid of you. <laughs> because you need to understand that I'm a prankster and I'm a jokester. I enjoy scaring somebody. And you need to know that I don't just jump out and go boo at somebody. Okay? Jumping out and go boo. Let's go logically here for a second. If you've never thought about this, get ready for a ride. Okay? If you've never thought about this because I have, which just means that I have a lot of time on my hands. Jumping out and going boo. Logically in your mind, that may startle you. But you and I both know what goes boo, and it's not a ghost. Okay? It's a person that maybe have a, has a sheet over them and is not very original and goes boo. And you're going to be startled, but you're going to see that person, and you're going to know boo came from a human mouth I have nothing to be afraid of. If you really want to scare somebody until they don't know who they are, you need to not go boo. You need to make a sound, maybe a sound that sounds like, like that. If I were to make that sound and ask you what animal that sounds like, there's not really a fit for that. You don't really know what that is. It's like duck goes wolf, cow goes moo. But what does the fox say? No, anyways, that may be what the fox says. So you don't know what that sound is. So if I were to jump out and go like that, I'm going to scare you. Now, logically, here's where the, the hole in is, isn't that? If I were to jump out at you and go like this, I'm a big dude and you're going to see me. So you're going to hear me. Maybe you don't know what that is. So some confusion is going to set in, but you're still going to see me, right? You say, oh, that's Aaron. So the way you fix that is you drop down on your knees. And you make the sound like this. Now, when somebody is facing that way and they whip around, they see nothing, but they hear something that scared the poo out of them pretty bad, right? So by this time, they see, <laughs> this is, you're going to do this to somebody and you're going to see, this is true. You can ask my wife and my children. This will get you good. <clears throat> then, so, so you're afraid of what you don't see now at this point, right? The next step, when you're down on the ground, making that sound is to lunge as like so. And if you're on a regular floor, like a, you know, a floor with a basement underneath of it, that makes a loud thumping sound, right? And so you lunge. So now we've got a sound we don't know. We turn around and see something that we, we don't see anything because we're looking straight. And it's down on the ground. And it's coming after me. So the level of fear that grips people when I do this is one of, ah, 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 
like they don't even know what to do with themselves. So this happened to my buddy David. We were staying in a hotel room. I have a point to this, I promise. I'm not just talking. I have a point to this. So I do this to him. He's in the shower. We're in a hotel room at a magic convention, and I'm down on the ground. I hear him. He's, he's blow-drying his hair, which, for whatever reason, he's like this diva, and it takes him forever to blow-dry his hair. If you knew David, you'd understand. He's the, the co-host of Cash Explosion on TV. But anyway, so, so now you, maybe if you look at that, you know who I'm talking about. And if you're listening, Cupcake, yes, I'm selling you out. So that's what I call him. So I get down on the ground. The shower's over here. I get down on the ground, and he thinks I'm sleeping, so I kind of put some pillows up underneath my bed, or underneath my, my spot on the bed, where I would be, and I made like a body, you know, so it looked like a body. I used a couple pillows. I know, it would take a few. I'm a big dude. <clears throat> and I get down on the ground between the wall and the bed, and he comes out, and I did that. <laughs> and I lunged at him. He hit the wall and ran back. Oh, 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 hit the wall this way. By the time I know he saw me, he ran up over the bed where I would have been sleeping and crunches me. And then there's a headboard, you know, the ones that are like attached to the wall in the hotels. And he starts climbing the headboard. That is like the worst I've ever scared somebody. But this is a guy who is legitimately afraid. And here's the point. Are you ready for it? When you scare somebody like that, When you become afraid, when fear kicks in, which is why the media does it, which is why we are constantly made to be afraid for ourselves, you stop critical thinking. All critical thinking is gone, okay? Critical thinking says that's Aaron on the floor. But when you're afraid, you switch into this mode where critical thinking is gone and you're in protect mode like, ah! And that's what he did. He screamed, hit one wall, found it was solid, and then ran up the bed. We all do this. Anytime we're afraid. Maybe it's not like an imminent danger kind of fear. But we do this and fear is crippling. It's crippling. It's horrible. It, it changes the way you think. And so maybe for some of you, those fears that I talked about before, or maybe now you're all afraid of me. I understand. <clears throat> maybe for you, it's not necessarily fear of um, beautiful women. Maybe it's fear of failure. That's a normal feeling, right? Fear of being alone. And more people deal with that than we think. And I think that's why the Bible constantly tells us you're not alone. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. You are not alone. God God constantly reminds us and assures us of that because he knows that is a normal feeling for us, right? So that's all through the Bible. And then we've got fear of fear itself. So what is your greatest fear? Is it fear of regret? Is it uh, fear of divorce? Fear of embarrassment? Fear of being let down? Fear of dying alone? What's your fear? We all have a fear, right? And, uh, and some of us just want to punch that fear in the face. We want to deal with it. We don't want to be afraid anymore. Is anybody there with me? You don't want to be afraid anymore. That thing that you are afraid of, that thing that you genuinely fear might happen, you don't want it in your life anymore. And we want to punch it in the face. So let me tell you, the only way to defeat fear is to declare war with worship as our weapon. I'll say it again. The only, is it up there? Yeah, there it is. The only way to defeat fear is to declare war with worship as our weapon. Okay? You guys know that those little at symbols, what all that is right there, why that's up there every week. So if you're a Twitter fan, so you can tweet that. That's our, our, our anyway, sorry, just, just 
case you were ever curious. So as in war, the side with the best weapons always wins, right? And worship is the greatest weapon that we are given to win the war on fear. So let's define what I mean by worship. I don't mean that every time you're in a sticky situation that you bust out your acoustic guitar and say, he loves us. No, I don't mean like that. <clears throat> We're going to jump into, into Second Chronicles today. So if you need a Bible, by the way, would you raise your hand and let us know that you need one? We have a gift for you. We'd like to give you a Bible. You can take it home. Just put your hand in the air. We'll put one in your hand. Um, but worship, let me explain what worship is. Worship is putting my mind's attention and my heart's affection on who God is and what God has done. It's intentionally taking my focus, my heart, my affections off of myself, off of my circumstances, off of my life, and putting them on the Lord. You ever have a kid at school that you were afraid of, right? And this is what worship does for you. It's kind of like this. Kid at school you were afraid of, or there was a bully, right? He's going to beat you up. Or maybe there's a girl that was just promising to rip your weave off your head. No? Only me? Okay. So, so you were afraid, right? You were afraid. And you went to your big brother or big sister or just somebody that was bigger than you, and you, you recruited them to help you. And instead of walking with your tail tucked between your legs down the hall or going to the bathroom and checking all the stalls to make sure you were alone, you took this person with you everywhere you went, and then you had your own theme song, and you were strutting your stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, that's what worship does. Worship invites somebody bigger than you along with you, right? When you're afraid, worship invites God into the situation. We put our affections on him. We put our thoughts on him. We think about who he is, who God is. When you think about who God is, what do you think of? What do you imagine in your mind that God is? And when you think about who God is and you say, all right, God, you know what? I can't handle this, but you can, and invites him in. And all of a sudden, you're walking tall. So let me tell you what fear is. Fear is faith in reverse. Or better said, fear is simply faith in the wrong thing. Fear is faith in the wrong thing. Faith believes that God is good, that he is in control, that he hasn't left us, that he is for us, right? But fear believes in worst case scenarios. Fear believes that good things can't happen to you and me. Fear believes and does not have hope. Fear is crippling, paralyzing, and fear leads to plain old bad thinking. So let's look at a story today that shows the power of fear, but shows how it got defeated by the power of worship, okay? So again, if you need that Bible, put your hand up. We're in 2 Chronicles. We've got a little bit of reading to do, but I promise you we'll land in a good place and you'll be happy today, okay? If anything, challenge. So 2 Chronicles 20... 1 through 30 is where we're going to be, okay? <clears throat> and it says, after this, could anybody, do you have a bottle of water or anything? I'm, I'm like, any of my guys, JJ, will you grab me a bottle of water? Thank you, babe, I'm sorry. <clears throat> That's good, thank you. Let's sit that right there. That's tasty. After the Moabites came, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites and with them, some of the Mayanites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Jehoshaphat's king, okay? And some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you. Thank you very much. A great multitude is coming against you from Eden, Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are, well, whatever that says, that is in Engedi, Hazazon Tamar. 
Anybody want to try that one? <laughs> so here's what's happening. These guys are coming. Jehoshaphat is the king. And we've got three different guys that I, could, I can tell there, maybe four, different countries coming against him. And Jehoshaphat is afraid. And he has a reason to be afraid, right? These are not guys who come and say, hey, let's talk. You're going to serve. These are guys that come. They have a reputation. These guys here have a reputation for destroying homes, raping the women, taking the children as hostages and making them slaves, pillaging their cities and fields of all of the wealth. And so Jehoshaphat, the king, has a reason to be afraid, right? Sometimes fear is legit. You know what I'm saying? There's a good reason to be afraid sometimes. I'm not telling you to never be afraid. It's okay. It's what you do when you're afraid that matters, right? All right. Otherwise, I'd be a hypocrite. I have fears. So Jehoshaphat's afraid, and he has every right to be. I mean, wouldn't you be afraid? So pick up in verse 3. It says, And then Jehoshaphat was afraid, which I already said. And he set his face to seek the Lord. Remember, it's okay to be afraid. It's what you do. And look what Jehoshaphat does. He sets his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. That doesn't mean everybody was running around in circles quickly. It means fast is, I'm going to fast food. I'm going to not go through McDonald's. That's fast food. But when I fast food, I'm giving up food. So he declares a fast. Nobody's eating. Okay? Nobody's drinking wine. They're drinking water. Maybe fruit juice. I'm not sure. But... They are not eating. And he declares a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. They're following their king. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And so Jehoshaphat looks out to see these nations coming against him. And instead of quaking in his boots, he calls the people together and says, we're going to go after God. We're going to see what God says. We're going to inquire of him for help. Right? And so some of you and I, uh, 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 some of you are just like him. Your world is crushing all around you. Your friends can't help you. Your situation looks bleak. Some of you want to curl up into a ball and just cry. No, just me again? All right. Some of you turn to food for comfort, or you turn to other places to numb the pain, like drugs or sex or alcohol. But you all know that in the end, these things, in and of themselves, only numb it. They don't actually deal with that. And so we look for comfort. We hide our pain. We look for anything that will give us good feelings, but they, those feelings, they fade. The moment we get home to find the bills are piling up or notes on our door from our landlord or nasty messages on our voicemail. When we turn in times of dis- or where we turn in times of despair reveal our hearts. We spent like six weeks talking about the, the uh, gods at war that rage for our heart. Listen to the podcast. They'll, they'll dive more into this, but where we turn... In times of trial, reveal your heart. Reveal who is God and who is Lord in your life. And so instead of turning to the old habits or the things of this world, we have to turn and seek the face of God, just like Jehoshaphat is doing. And everything the king is about to say, we need to understand that what he's getting ready to say is worship. It's worship. Everything he's about to declare, he declares in hope to turn the hearts of the people to worship God. Because he knows that being afraid is not going to solve any problems. They need somebody bigger than them to be in this fight. And so they turned to God. And so Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? 
You rule over all the kingdom of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Jehoshaphat is asking a question. Are you not God in heaven? He knows the answer to that question. But he's saying it for the benefit of the people there. You ever heard about, or heard about talking to yourself, like to remind yourself of what you need to know? Like, I am beautiful. I am beautiful. I'm beautiful. I am beautiful. Talking to yourself to remind yourself of that sometimes? I don't know. Just me? Okay. I am beautiful. <laughs> but he's saying it to remind the people of who God is, right? And so we are a distracted culture. You know, I've talked before about, about how we are, are just so divided. We're divided by Facebook. We're divided by Instagram. We're divided by the internet, just period, there. We are divided people. Our attention is pulled in all kinds of ways. It's easy for us to forget that we're beautiful, Ray. It's, it's easy for us to forget. And so a lot of things slip our minds, and oftentimes the most important things are what we forget. And sometimes we forget our weaknesses. Sometimes we forget our areas of temptations. Sometimes we forget. And when we forget, we fail those tests that come our way because we forget. We forget. But when our attention is continually on God through acts of worship, acts of intentionally focusing on Him, right? We are constantly being mindful of all of His glory. And we find those tests and those trials, although they're present, that we are strong through them because... God is with us. God is with us. And so Jehoshaphat knows that. So he continues saying, Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? He's reminding God what he's done and reminding the people what he's done. He's probably reminding himself to kind of build up his faith. This is who you are, God. This is what you've done in the past. <clears throat> and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying... If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you. For your name is in this house, and cry to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Notice that their fear is what initially drives them to worship. That's a good, that's okay. It's not a bad place to be. I think any time that we have this situation or this, this uh, uh, something we are afraid of, it's just an opportunity for God to show his glory in your life. It's hard for us to think about that. It's hard for us to think of it that way. We're like, dude, this, this sucks. We find out somebody's sick. We find out that somebody's in the hospital. We find out that things are not going as planned. We go, this stinks. It's hard. It's hard. And we're afraid. But that threat that is looming in our lives is what motivates you or should motivate us to worship. To turn to God and say, I need your help. This is bigger than me. So it continues and it says, And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, they're still talking to God. He's saying this to the Jehoshaphat, still talking. He said, Whom would you uh, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt? Again, this is past. And whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they rewarded us by coming to drive us out of your possession. In other words, when, when Israel had a chance to destroy these guys, they didn't. And they passed by. And there's, he's like, man, our reward is we're getting repaid evil with good. Anybody ever had that? What do they say? No good deed goes unpunished, right? Same thing here. It's happening. He says, oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde. I love that word. That is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes 
are on you. Oh, that's such a wonderful place to be. God, I don't know what to do. My eyes are on you. I'm watching. I'm waiting. You are able. You are powerful enough. You are great enough. I'm, I'm scared. There might be something running down my leg. I'm afraid. It's a letter that comes after, oh, people, get with me. But how... How how different would our lives be if we lived this way, though? Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. My walls are caving in, God, but my eyes are on you. If when we are weak, overwhelmed, confused, defeated, we turn to God and said, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. If we said, God, I can't handle this, or I don't have the means, or I don't know what has led me here, but my eyes are on you. This is worship. This is worship. As beautiful as as music and song services, that's one form of it, as you'll see here in just a second. We have to choose to worship God. And so, meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Everybody's there. Just like today. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph. Asaph was a musician, by the way. In the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. God wants you to know this morning, from my mouth to your ears, you are not alone. You are his children. And let me tell you something. The other day, my kid was out walking on the street. He's out in front of my house and some boys were across the street. They were older than him. And because he looked across the street and said, or didn't say anything, didn't gesture to them, just looked at them across the street, one of them mouthed off and said, what are you looking at? And started making fun of him. Let me tell you what happened. Papa Bear came barreling out of the house. I came out of the house and I caught up with those kids and I whipped them around and I said, who do you think you are? I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not happy or thrilled with my behavior that day, but I'm just trying to give you an example that we are God's children. And when our children get messed with, we get, I know how upset I am. And these people are being messed with. And so God answers and says, this battle is not yours, but it's mine. That battle that day, my boy couldn't handle. I took it. And I, I fought that. I ain't seen those kids since. They probably go around the block when they get around to my house. That guy is crazy. He came out here, he was going to bite me, sir. That's the... <laughs> But God wants you to know this morning that He sees your circumstances. He sees your situation. And you do not need to be afraid. And this is why worship is the greatest weapon that we have in life because it takes the focus off of us. Right? It takes the focus off our circumstances and places it right where it belongs, which is on God. I know we can't see Him. Man, wouldn't it be convenient if God was like walking behind us all the time and we had this amazing theme music, you know, everywhere we walked and people knew they weren't supposed to mess with us and they, you know, we just, that would be so easy. But that's not a life of faith. It's not. That's not. It's there. There's no faith. 
Some of you are thinking about what theme song you would have right now. Maybe if you weren't, now you are. I hope it's awesome. But God takes the burden of that off of us. Our shortcomings, our temptations, our insecurities, our deficiencies, all of this God is, will be faithful in. His strength, His protection, His provision for us is known. When we worship Him instead of fear, we have peace, right? Worship is laid out clearly for us in Philippians 4, 6-7. through 7. I talk about this verse all the time because it's one of my favorite ones. And if you know it, it says, Don't be anxious or worried or fearful, by the way. Don't be anxious, worried, or fearful about anything. But in every situation, what does every mean? Every. All of it. Every situation that you find yourself in. In every situation, by prayer and petition. What's prayer? Prayer is talking to God. Just like I'm talking to you. It's talking to God and petition. That's a personal need. God, I, I need something. That's petition. With thanksgiving. Wait, you mean in November? Is that the only time we're supposed to pray? Is it the end of the month? We're all sitting together eating turkey with thanksgiving? With thanksgiving. Let me ask you something. The last, if you think back to the last time that you were fearful, maybe it was this morning, maybe it was last night, maybe it's been a month ago, but that situation that was tough for you, if you think back to that situation, how many of you in that moment would find it easy to be thankful? It's not talking about being thankful for the situation or the difficulty of the situation or how bad it hurts or how painful it is or whatever. Insert here. We're not talking about being thankful for that. It's being thankful like Jehoshaphat said. Did you not do this in the past? It's remembering what God's done in the past. You know what? You have never left me. You have never forsaken me. You never will leave me. So I know that you're going to be with me through this. It just encourages you. It's not like God needs to know. He doesn't forget, right? It encourages yourself. You know what? God's going to be here with me. It boosts your faith. And then that that fear that was there, here's what the rest of that scripture says. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, lots of commas here, present your requests to God. And this last part of the verse is what happens here in the rest of our story. So I jumped to New Testament for a second, but we're going to go back to the Old Testament and see how this plays out. Because they're worshiping. This is worship. What I'm reading to you is worship. With thanksgiving. Saying, God, we need you. With thanksgiving. You've been there for us in the past. The verse 7 says, And the peace of God... Anybody here know what real peace is? Well, you know what peace isn't. So, just the opposite of that. If you don't know what peace is, I'll give you an opportunity at the end of the service. I'll pray with you. You can know peace today. But it says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, means you can have peace in the middle of a storm, and everybody goes, That chick is loco. (laughs) That transcends understanding. Uh, People outside looking at you go, I don't understand how you can be so calm in the middle of this. How are you doing that? Why are you okay with this situation? And you go, oh, God's, God's with me. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to be afraid? God's got me. It says the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will do what? Fix it all and make it okay? Nope. It says, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to come to this, come back to this at the end, but let me tell you something. The enemy doesn't care about your stuff. He doesn't care about your relationships. He doesn't care about your job. He doesn't care about your money. The enemy, the devil, doesn't need it. You know what he wants? Your heart. And if he can get your heart, he's won. Okay? 
the peace of God is not there to fix it. It's to guard your heart. So that in the middle of it, you continue to worship. So that in the middle of it, you can stand. It's what it's for. So we continue in the story. Tomorrow, go down against them. This is the guy still telling them, encouraging them that God's going to be with them. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up against the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korathites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. They have every reason to be afraid, but at God's word, they're not. They're worshiping. They fall down and they bow, prostrate themselves and say, God, thank you. Thank you. And so they rose early in the morning. It still requires faith, mind you. They haven't won yet. The enemy's still coming. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. There's that faith. And you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Can you imagine for just a moment if our commander-in-chief, President Barack Obama, if we were to enter into the next great war, calls up Simple Church and says, hey, listen, I'm going to need Kelly Spicer. I'm going to need uh, Kyle, Derek, and the rest of the band. And uh, we're going to send them into the country before we go out and fight. Okay, thanks. That's what just happened. They're sending people in to sing songs before the army even goes in. They are scared. That's what, that's what your move is? I know what the next words out of your mouth would be. <laughs> Impeach! Impeach! We'd want somebody to take over. You'd think he was off his rocker. Because his job is to prepare war machines. His job is to, to ensure the security and safety of our country. The president sent out praise and worship leaders. You might be a little confused, but not Israel. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. They were like, this dude is toast. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. What happened? The thing they were afraid of imploded it's what happens when you worship when you invite god into the situation he comes in and the unthinkable the unbelievable happens and here the armies that were coming to destroy jehoshaphat destroyed themselves they killed themselves and so it says when judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness they looked toward the horde and behold there were dead bodies lying on the ground none had escaped and when jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil they found among them in great number goods clothing and precious things which they took for themselves until they could carry no more they were three days in taking the spoil it was so much on the fourth day they assembled in the very valley of barakah for they were blessed for there they blessed the lord 
Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Barakah to this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God, that's a healthy fear, came on all of the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. A story that begins with terror, a story that begins with fear, ends with peace, ends with blessing. Some of you know these kind of situations. Some of these, you have been in relationships that ended and it broke your heart, but God was with you. And then what happened? You entered into a relationship that was a blessing to you. Or you, got, you lost a job, you got fired wrongfully. Or maybe rightfully. But God's got your back and he takes you into a situation that was better than where you were before. And even though you were afraid and even though you were broken about it, it's a blessing. The Bible says that God uses all things will work out for those that serve him. It's all things. That means good, bad, horrible, whatever it is. All things. All. Everything. List everything in your life that's bad. There's good in it. It's good. You say, Aaron, you're just an optimist. No. This is what the Bible says. So how do I replace faith with fear? Or fear with faith. Sorry. Faith replaces fear, but not without a fight. We must resolve to worship, to resolve to seek the Lord. To resolve means to have, like, plant your feet firm. Set your face like flint and decide, I'm doing it this way. To resolve is an intentional act of the will that despite what I've gone through or despite what I will go through, I will look to the Lord. Because I guarantee the the moment that you decide to lift your hands or to worship, the enemy will roar louder and louder in your ears than he did before. And you might be even more afraid, but that's okay. Number two is worship before the battle to remember God's faithfulness, just like Jehoshaphat did. God, this is who you've been in the past. I know this is who you'll be again. Number three is worship in the battle to remain in God's protection. Remember I told you the enemy doesn't care about your stuff. He cares about your heart. And if he wins your heart, he's won the war. But he may get your stuff. He may get your home. He may get your relationships. He may get things from you. But he will not win the war. He may win a battle. But you and I know that battles do not win wars. So don't let him win. You'll win that war. If you guard your heart. Last thing is worship after the battle. Just like they did. And rejoice in God's provision. Will you worship? Will you be thankful and celebrate. What God has given you? You say to me. But what if. What if I worship and I still have pain. What if, we are comfort seekers right. We run from that painful stuff. What if I worship and God doesn't answer. What if he doesn't provide the way you're saying he provided for Jehoshaphat? Where's your heart? Is it your stuff that you want? Or is it your God? See, they can take everything from you, but they can't take Jesus from you. Jermaine, they can't rip Jesus out of your heart, bro. They can take it all, but they can't take Jesus. We can't put stipulations on God. The decision to worship must be regardless of the outcome of that battle you may lose some stuff decide to worship 
It's worth it. Decide today. Determine that with all that you are, you will worship God regardless, and the peace of God will guard your heart. Peace that nobody else will understand. Peace you can't buy. You can't pay for it. You can't earn it. You can't locate it on the internet. Can't. It only comes from God when you worship. Let's pray. Lord, I I thank you for this day. For the opportunity to know as a church that it's okay to be afraid that when we worship God, we invite you into those situations. Lord, there are people here today that are afraid. We've had fears that have crippled them all their lives. I pray in Jesus' name, God, that they would turn and that they would worship you. That they would find the value of worship. And then when they do, when they set their affections, when they set their thoughts on you, that you would guard their hearts. That you would bring them peace and that you would answer in the only way that you can answer today, God. Fears of failure. Fears of being alone. Fear of fear itself. Fear of, of what if. Lord, I pray that you would answer so that we may have peace and not fear. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, that means you've never known peace. Not real peace. Oh, you may be able to knock yourself out at night. You may be able to wear yourself out with how hard you work. Or you may be able to drink yourself silly so that you can sleep. But let me tell you something. Peace, real peace, will let you sleep at night. And if you want to know peace and you want to know Jesus, if you've never crossed that line and said, I want to know Jesus... I want my sins to be forgiven. I want what I've done in the past to be gone. I want to start new. If you want to know Jesus today, nobody's looking around. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. No, I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to know that you're here. Would you put your hand in the air and let me know that you want to know Jesus today? I'll pray for you. I won't bring you up here. You can stay in your seat. You can put your hands down. Thank you. This service today was for you. For those of you that are making a decision today to say, I need to know Jesus. I need more of him in my life. I need to know peace. For those of you that are here today that you put your hand in the air, this whole service was orchestrated for you. Every person is in this seat today because God brought them here today to be here for you. That's how much he loves you. And not only that, but he sent his son to die for you. The wages of sin is death and there has to be a penalty or a payment made. And Jesus paid that for you. So I'm going to pray for you. Father, I pray for those that raise their hands. Lord, I ask that you would flood their life now, Holy Spirit, with your love. Wash them clean. Make them new. Show them how to live. When they open their Bibles, Lord, help them understand. Give them clarity. Let them know your love. Let them know your peace from this day forward. And let them know that the bonus of knowing Jesus is eternity in heaven with you. So we get to become children of God. Let it resound in our hearts today and every day thereafter. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Listen, we're going to pray. I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive prayer, one or two minutes. There are people that have badges that look just like this. If you need prayer for anything, you say, Aaron, you, you said a lot of things, but you didn't name my fear. And you want prayer for anything. Whether you're sick in your body, need a touch from God. If you've got a situation you don't know how to navigate, we may not know how to navigate it either, but God will give you wisdom. He gives wisdom freely to people who ask. This is your time to bow your head and pray with somebody who will agree with you in prayer, and then we'll close service. But for those of you that said yes to Jesus today, I want to encourage you to connect with a church. Connect. Read your Bible. Talk to God for the first time maybe in your life. I know it'll feel weird. It'll feel uncomfortable. But let me tell you something. It's just, it's just a start. Talk to him like he's sitting there in front of you. Say, what's up? I know we've never talked or maybe we haven't talked in a long time. But I want to start talking to you. So help me figure this out. And he will. And come back here and be with us next week. We're going to take just a minute for prayer and then we're going to close the service.